You're listening to Sports Connections with David Smale, the show that brings you a fun and intimate look into connections throughout sports. Now here's your host, David Smale. Allison Mayfield has traveled the world playing volleyball. The 2012 graduate of the University of Kansas uh, played professionally in France, Switzerland, Finland, Peru, Hungary, and Greece, all over, and competed in competitions in Korea and China and Vietnam, as well as, of course, in the U.S. She's an outstanding athlete at 6'1 with a jump touch of nearly 10'3". She's one of the most decorated players in KU volleyball history. She completed her career as KU's all-time leading kills leader in single season, and she led the Big 12 at 4.16 kills per set in 2012, the second-best season in KU history. In the summers between professional seasons, she coached camps for high schoolers in the U.S., and she's worked with nearly 100 high school high schools around the country, and she's now coaching at Texas A&M. So, Allison, welcome to Sports Connections. Thank you for having me. Right, tell me how you got involved in volleyball. Um, let's see. Well, I guess I was one of those kids who played all the sports growing up. I'm just a very athletic kid, like to compete, so... I played basketball, soccer, softball, track, did all the main sports. And when I could, I started playing volleyball. Um, Started out through school, not very competitive. When I got a little bit older, I was introduced to club volleyball um, and went from a semi-competitive regional team uh, to a more competitive club team. And once I got to high school, really, really focused on that. So kind of just started at a young age, played all the different sports and, and loved volleyball. That's the one that stuck. What was it about volleyball that, that attracted you so much? You know, I, I really like team sports, obviously. I did track and field and was a pretty successful high jumper um, when I was younger. But I, I like team sports and basketball looked like it was going to be where I was going when I was you know, right before high school, kind of start of high school. But volleyball was a little bit more unknown to me. I played quite a few years of club basketball before I got to high school, not many club volleyball. And so it was kind of this new, new sport that I wanted to dive into a little bit more and figure out. And I was pretty tall, pretty good at it. Um, And so I I just fell in love with the game. I don't know. I can't tell you what it was, but just the yeah. team aspect of it. You, you truly cannot do it by yourself. Yeah, um, that's, that's definitely it, true. It's um, now, did you really start to blossom as a player uh, once you got in the club level where maybe you got some better coaching or, or where it became more competitive? Is that when it, you really took off personally? Yeah, I would say probably around my freshman year of high school. I tried out for the high school team and had a pretty, pretty good year. And my coach kind of recommended like, Hey, I see a lot of talent here. You're raw. You could really be good at this. Um, I think you should play club volleyball. You should really focus on this. So I give a lot of credit to my coaches at a young age. Um, I had some really good club coaches that spent a lot of time with me and really improved my all aspects of the game, my attacking, passing, everything. Um, and so I think that's, you know, what I really, really focused in on volleyball. And, um, like you said, I, I had some great coaches that really, they helped me learn the game, but also helped me learn to love the game. So, yeah. And, and we joked about the fact that I had to change out of my K-State shirt. So I didn't offend you. What, what was it about KU that attracted you to play volleyball there? 
You know, and I, I shouldn't say this, but growing up, I was actually a Kansas State fan. There um, you go. So it was tough for me at first to come around to to KU, but Coach Posey was uh, the assistant coach there when I got there. She recruited me really, really hard and made me kind of intrigued with the university. I went on a lot of visits. I saw the team. And just the more I went, the more I loved it. Um, so it took a little while, like I said you know, converting a, a wildcat to a Jayhawk, but now I don't look back. Like it's all KU from here, but yeah, she really, she really got me to see the beauty in KU and everything it had to offer. Okay. Okay. And we're just going to let it go at that. <laughs> um, I want to, I want to, seriously, I want to talk about women's professional volleyball. It's big in other parts of the world, not so much in the U S. So where is it? The, where is, where are the hot spots for professional volleyball for women? So like you said, basically you can go anywhere and find a professional volleyball league except the United States, which that actually did change recently. They had the first year of, they tried to start a women's professional pro league this year, which maybe we can come back to. But as far as the hot spots, I would say, you know, there's, there's places that are known for their volleyball. Italy is one of those top places. Russia is very good. Um, there we've got Turkey up there, um, Germany, and they all, you know, have a little spin on it, but those are some of the, the hot spots. Brazil down in South America, um, they've always been known for their volleyball. So that's another great place to play. Um, but like I said, you can really go anywhere and find, find a league, um, how competitive that is, you know, it'll be, it'll vary, but yeah, it's, it's everywhere. What kind of celebrity status do you have if you are a professional volleyball player in some of these other countries? So again, that changes depending on what country you're in. Um, I've played in, as you said, a handful of countries and some of them, they treat you just, you know, here's Allison and she's, they see you as a person and as an athlete, but maybe have a conversation with you. Um, other places, it's a little bit, you have a little higher status. Like you said, um, in Peru, it was really fun. They, they really love the athletes. And I think in Peru, women's volleyball is second only behind men's soccer and popularity wow. in Peru. So all of the matches were nationally broadcast and uh, they had announcers. They had just the whole shebang when it came to matches. Fans went a little crazy. Um, it was a lot, a lot of fun down there. And even in places like I, I can remember in 2012, I went to China, like you said, on a it was a USA team composed of university athletes, some professional athletes. We played in a tournament down there and I can remember rolling up to the hotel. You know, we're all used to just traveling. You travel to the hotel when you're playing for university, you get off, you get your room, you just go. We roll up to this hotel and there was a, there was a red carpet and paparazzi oh, wow. outside of the bus. And we're all kind of looking at each other like, what's going on? <laughs> um, and so none of us had really experienced anything like that before. We're getting off the bus. They're taking pictures and videos of us. And we have our cell phones out taking pictures and videos of them because we've never seen anything like that either. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it just it depends on where you are. Some of those Asian countries, um, they really get into it. But yeah, it, it's kind of fun just seeing how different fans react in different sure. places. I, I've, I've been in Singapore and that's that's one of their most famous, most popular sports there is, is volleyball and women more than men. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, it just depends on the country. The most European places, men's volleyball is just up there. They're pretty 
pretty parallel men's and yeah. women's volleyball um in peru like i said it's women's volleyball and men's volleyball is definitely underneath it so yeah interesting. Um, you've been to a lot of pretty amazing places which were which was your favorite that is a question I get all of the time and I have such a hard time answering it. Uh, I, I kind of want, what do you want to know? Do you want to know what was the best for volleyball? Do you want to know what was the best for living situation? Cause usually I'll say I, I played in Switzerland, which is a beautiful country and it's small enough. And the team that I played on at the time, we had enough time to go and go up in the mountains and see the Matterhorn one weekend or go down to Geneva and see the lake and really see the country, which was amazing. I loved that. Um, and volleyball wise, it was competitive, but maybe not the, the most competitive that I played. Whereas Peru, it's a third world country. So a little bit more... I don't want to say dirty, but it's just not as clean as some of the other countries. But I really loved my experience in Peru as well, because I was on a very good team and we trained a lot and I like working hard and we had a lot of success. And like I said, the fans were really fun. So each country has its pros and its cons. Um, but if you want to know, I, I really loved Switzerland and Greece, obviously were gorgeous. Yeah. Um, Finland, I played there for two years. The people there are so, so nice. I loved it there as well. Um, and like I said, Peru was fun because we were on a very successful team and they really love volleyball down there. So each place kind of has its own little perks. And I think you have a career in politics because you answered that question beautifully and you didn't offend anybody. So that was... <laughs> I hope I didn't. That was not my intent. Like, I hope yeah, I no, didn't that, offend anybody. That was great. Now, speaking of Purdue, I understand you were in Purdue, Purdue, Purdue sorry about that, Peru, um, when the pandemic broke out and uh, according to your uncle, who's a friend of mine, you got out like on the last plane out of Lima before everything shut down. Just tell us that story. Yeah, it, it's quite a long story. I'll try not to, to bore you or go too much into detail. But um, yeah, it was, if you remember correctly, obviously COVID started off in Europe, then got to the United States and then got to South America. So when I was there, things were happening in Europe and I was kind of paying attention. I had friends in Europe and was following along this coronavirus, what's going on. They have yeah. matches that are getting postponed and leagues are, are canceled and what's going on. Whereas down in Peru, things were fine. Um, I can remember it was the Wednesday. I think that it was declared a pandemic. Uh, we were scheduled. We had a match. I think it was March 11th. And another different thing about Peru, all of the teams were based in Lima. So we all played in the same arena and okay. where we trained was about an hour away. So me and my teammate are in a taxi. We're taking a taxi to our match um, and just scrolling through social media. And I see big 12 tournament has announced men's basketball tournament announced they're playing without fans. And then not long after, I think it, they canceled it right away. Everything's happening. And, um, so we play our match that night, try and, you know, don't think about that. Just yeah. focus on the match. Yeah. Good luck with that. Huh? <laughs> I know. I'm like, <laughs> things are happening very quickly. Uh, after the match, I remember checking my phone, just breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. Everything seemed to blow up that day. And it very quickly, um, we kind of had to wait around a couple of days. Cause again, nothing, South America hadn't been touched yet. So People, some people are saying, oh, it's not going to come here. It's summertime. It's warm. Like it's, it's not going to get here. But very quickly on Sunday, the president had a, a news conference 
saying at midnight again. So language barriers are a thing, right? I don't speak Spanish that well. I learned a little bit, but me and my roommate are trying to watch this news conference on TV. And the only thing we hear is borders closed at midnight. And so we're, we're panicking um, 10 PM on Sunday. We're panicking. Okay. Well, what do we do? Um, is that tonight? Is that tomorrow? We go to bed thinking, well, at least we have an apartment. We have food. We're okay. We'll, we'll make it wake up the next morning from a tech with a text from the president of my club saying, if you can get on a plane and you can leave today, you can get out. You can leave by midnight tonight. You can get out of the country. So I check flights real fast. There's a United flight that has a 17 hour layover in Colombia, but I'm like, it's the only one that gets out. I wake up my roommate. We pack our bags real fast, go to the airport. I think we got there by the flight was at 1 PM. We almost didn't get on the flight because the airport was a, a madhouse. I oh, think yeah. people, they didn't have tickets, but they wanted to go to the airport and see if they could get a ticket. So somehow we made it on that plane. Our flight landed, what was it? About 3 p.m. in Colombia, And we had 17 hours. So we had until 7 a.m. the next morning to just wait at the airport. And, you know, we're trying to relax and get some food and sleep at the airport. But about 8 p.m. they announced that Colombia's borders are closed by land, air, sea. They're closing them at midnight. And we're just looking at each other like, what are we going to yeah. do? Uh, what are we going to do? Colombia had already said non-Colombian citizens can't enter their country. So we couldn't just get a hotel. Like we would have been trapped at the airport, like Tom Hanks <laughs> in the terminal. <laughs> That's what I always tell people. It's like, but what would we have done? Like we would have been trapped in the airport. So we're trying to sleep every other flight. I, I promise you, we're watching this departure board. Every other flight canceled, 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 canceled. For some reason, our 7 a.m. flight the next day, we're at the gate. They board us. We get on the plane. We take off. I don't know why, but we made it. And I we landed in Houston. And I remember just looking. We were in the international terminal. And it looked like it was out of a movie. Like just there were no, no flights. There were yeah. no people. No shops were open. It looked like it was just closed. And we got to customs and the customs agent that I talked to was like, where did you guys just come from? I said, yeah, we're <laughs> from Columbia. He goes, we have not seen anyone in this, in this terminal for at least 12 to 24 hours. Like, I don't know how you guys made it here, but you're very lucky. So that was one of the most wild 48 hours of my life. Um, and I was very thankful I had my teammate there because we were, were balancing, balancing each other out where yeah. I'd freak out a little bit and she'd be like, it's okay. It's okay. And then an hour later she'd freak out a little bit and I'd be like, it's okay. So <laughs> it was very nice that she was there and I don't know how we made it, but I was very grateful. Cause so me and my teammate made it out, but there were other Americans down there who weren't so lucky. And I think they got stuck for six or seven weeks before uh, an American repatriation flight could come and pick them up and take them back. So it was wild. And I know it was wild for everyone, but I think that was the, the craziest 48 hours of my life so far. For sure. Well, speaking of crazy, you're now coaching in college. <laughs> How is that for a transition? Uh, yes. Is, is coaching your long-term? I know. I hope so. Um, it's something, like I said, I, I, I just love being in the gym and playing internationally has really open my eyes to different aspects. It's, if you don't know, international volleyball is a little bit different than 
U.S. volleyball. Um, there's slight changes in the rules. You can only sub five times versus 15 here. Um, so everyone's a little bit more specialized, but I, I really have enjoyed just becoming more and more of a student of the game. And I feel like I've learned so much that I want to pass on to younger athletes. And, you know, I've thought so many times, man, if I knew this when I was young and, and could really, I, I knock on wood, my body's held out on me for a while. Like I, I haven't had any major injuries, but you know, when you're young and you can do all these things, you can jump higher, you can hit harder. Um, I, I just want to give that information to the younger girls at an earlier age. And, and really I enjoy coaching and mentoring and just being an example. So I hope that it's my long-term future. Um, uh, but I am just transitioning. Like, as we said, I, I have been a player for so long and now just getting my feet wet in the coaching world, but so far I'm loving it and I'm learning. And I just hope that continues. If the opportunity comes back for you to play again, do you think you still would, would want to play? I think I would play forever if I could. Um, I love, I love playing yeah. and the opportunity actually has come up a couple times since I've been coaching, but I know that eventually I'm going to have to stop. And, yeah. um, I've had an incredible run. It's been eight years, I believe. Um, and like I said, knock on wood again, no, no serious injuries, just been able to really enjoy it. And, um, it's hard. It's hard to know. And it's not to say that I can't play for fun here and there. Right. Um, I, I don't want to say no, like never say never. Right. But I do know there's a point where, all right, this has been great. I've, I've gotten a lot out of it. Um, but I do need to start thinking about the future and coaching is something that I could do for a lot longer than playing. So sure. Yeah. Okay. Good. A good answer there. Now, you and I talked about this before uh, we did this recording, and I told you I helped a friend write a book uh, about his wife, who was a high school volleyball coach. And and the premise of the book is volleyball is a metaphor for life. Sometimes you're in a serving role. Sometimes you have to be ready to receive whatever the opposition sends your way. Sometimes you have to pass to someone who can respond to a certain situation better than you can. You have to be able to set up your teammates sometimes to attack or sometimes to pass again. Sometimes you have to block the opponent's attack. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just simply dig your way out of trouble. You always want to win the point, but it's important to keep in mind that you don't win the match just by winning one point. So with that analogy, is that, do you think that fits with, uh, with volleyball and life? I think, yeah, I think that fits with life for sure. I mean, Sometimes things are going great. You're on a roll, you know, you, you're feeling great. Um, other times you got to take a step back and, you know, maybe the other team's on a roll um, and just slow things down. I think you can always find correlations to life of when things are good, they're good. When they're not, you yeah. kind of have to find a way to adjust. And I had a, I know a coach that said, you know, you win or you learn. Um, you never lose unless you don't learn. So I feel that's the same with life. Um, you're going to be in some great situations sometimes and, and you're winning theoretically. Yeah, yeah. And then there's times where you're going to be learning. And I think just with my experience in playing abroad, um, 
there's been some really, really fantastic times and really great times and I'm loving life, but there's also been some trying times where it's very difficult, like you said, and, and I've got to kind of figure out, all right, how do I get through this? What's the best move? Um, I've got to figure out, well, as you said, how to get out of this. And, um, you know, that's when the teammates come into play and volleyball is very much a team sport. You can't do it by yourself. So in life, you know, your teammates could be family, friends, teammates, um, right. and you got to lean on them sometimes. And I've been very fortunate in that I've had incredible family and friends who've been supportive. And when things get hard, I have people that I can reach out to. Um, but again, like you said, that's life. Um, yeah. and in the hard times is when, when you grow. And so I don't regret, as I said, I had some, some trying times and there's been some times where it's really tough and it's hard to have tough times when you're so far away from home, so far away from the people that you love, but that's when the growth really comes into play. And I'm, I'm thankful for the, the good times and the bad times because it's made who I am. It made me who I am right now. Yeah. And, and I'm guessing, Allison, that you could probably play that game with any sport. You sure. know, you could, you could pick apart baseball and football and basketball and soccer and, and do the same thing. But you were an outside hitter. That was mm -hmm. your primary position. Did you move around a lot or is that what you focused on from an early, early stage in your career? Primarily, I was an outside hitter. When I was much younger, I was a middle blocker because I was the tallest on the team and they okay. usually put you at that position. Okay. But I've been an outside hitter and I played a little bit on the, the other pin, the right side, um, but a pin player for yeah, most of my career. Okay. Now, excuse my ignorance of the sport. I know it. Okay. Uh, not, not exceptionally well. It seems like the outside hitter, the primary role is when you're on offense, you have to decide whether to smash it or I forget the term, but doink it over the, um, over the opponent to avoid the block. Right. Uh, and when you're on defense, your primary focus is to block. Is that fairly uh, accurate summary? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're trying to see what the other team's doing. What's your best move? What do mm -hmm. I have available? What's my best option here? And make that decision. Okay. So again, going to the analogy of volleyball is a lot like life. Talk about situations where you've had to maybe doink one over the opposition and other times where you just, you reared back and you, and you killed it. Do you have good examples of those? That is a, that is a good question. Let's see. And I, I mean, didn't, I didn't prep you with it either. Sorry. About I that. know. I know. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, I think it goes back to, like I said before, it's volleyball is very much a team sport. And when things are going well, when everyone is doing their job as a hitter, it makes my job so much easier. Yeah. And so in life, in seasons, when things are going well, when I enjoy where I'm living, when I have great teammates, when I'm happy, things seem to be, it's like a perfect pass, a perfect set, the blocker's late, you get up and you just can crush it. Like it's everything's going smooth. You can't stop me. I, I'm on fire type of thing. Yeah. Um, when those things get kind of out of whack, um, there's been times I, I was maybe on a team that 
I was on a team where the coach, his coaching style was just very, very different and Eastern European. And that's one thing that you just don't know going into volleyball. You know, most, most coaches in the States are, are similar. Some obviously are more positive. Some will yell at you a little bit, but um, I had this coach, his, his style was just different and I, I could not respond to it. And I'm trying, I'm a very much a people pleaser. So he would be upset with all of us, but I, I'm like, I'm trying my best. I can't do this. I can't please him. And I, and it just really ate at me. Um, and so that's one of those situations where it's like, it just seemed like that's really tough when you can't, when you can't, you're trying everything you can and, and nothing's going to change this person. And, and so that makes this experience a little bit tough. And it just seems like, you know, all right. So with your metaphor, this pass is, is out of system and you get this ball that's just coming from so far away and you got these huge blocking hands in front of you and you just got to find a way. Right. Yeah. Um, so again, that's, I keep coming back to it, but I've just been so fortunate to have the people in my life that I've reached out to in those situations um, and kind of keep me, keep me grounded, keep me sane. Um, because it is, it is an incredible life, but it's one that has its ups and its downs and again, yeah. life. But, um, yeah, so that's one of those situations where maybe things aren't going your way and you just, you got to find a way to deal with it. I thought of that, of that particular question as you were telling your story about getting out of, of Peru. And right. that was a situation where, and what is the right term? Doinking is, is not the right term. What, you can tip, you say, I would say tip or, or roll shot. Okay. Yeah. So that wouldn't have been the, the appropriate play when you've got, you know, less than 12 hours to get out of the country. You're stuck there for several weeks. Right. You had, you had to take a kill shot and sure. some, and some, you know, you're in Colombia and they're saying the border's already closed and you had to, however you want to say it happened, you had to be right there saying, okay, we're getting on this plane. Right. You had to, you had to attack the situation. And fortunately right. you were able to kill it right on the line and they had no defense for it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. I would say that decision in that whole trip, that moment came when, when we woke up to a text message that said, if you can get out tonight and me and my teammate kind of talked through it, like, all right, we could stay here and we have an apartment and this would be kind of the safe choice if we go for it. Yeah. You know, that's why you could, you can make the error or you can, you can really be successful, but if we go for it, we're really going for it and we can't look back. Um, so that's when that decision was made, but yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. And, and had you, had you gone for the kill, you could have ended up stuck in Colombia in exactly. the airport. Right. So and and it, it was sometimes- not a risk-free decision. It's not. And sometimes that's out of your control. You know, sometimes you hit it, you think it's in and the line judge calls it out of bounds. And you're like, what? I thought I did everything right here. What? I don't, I, I did everything I could. And some, sometimes it's out of your control, but we, we had a little bit of luck and a little bit of go-getter attitude there that helped us. All right. I always let my, my guest answer two questions or, or give two responses. One's a question, one's a statement. So the first one, and you've talked a lot about your family. Uh, just mm-hmm. tell us specifically, brothers, sisters, uh, support of your parents. Just talk about your family. My family's amazing. Um, I come from a, a very large family, um, lots of aunts and uncles and cousins, and 
just from a young age, we always get together. We always have a good time. Um, so incredibly supportive. Uh, I have had, I don't know how many cousins who've played in division one athletics, um, a handful, uh, but we're a competitive family. Um, so that makes family get togethers fun. I remember as a kid, just playing in the front yard, playing wiffle ball, basketball, you name it. We're just yeah. always going out there, but you know, my parents have been so supportive. This life that I've lived is scary. And, you know, I go to places I've never been before. I sign a contract and go move somewhere where I've never been. I don't know anyone. I, I don't know who's picking me up from the airport. Um, hopefully we get all that settled beforehand, but, um, it's, it's a scary thing for your parents. I can imagine to just send their kid off and say, good luck, text me when you get there. Um, so they've been, they've been really great and supportive and I'm sure it hasn't been easy on them, but, um, I, I really appreciate everything that they've supported me through and just encouraged me to do with my life. Okay. Brothers and sisters. Yeah, I have an older sister um, who has two little kids, um, and I love love them. It's so fun. My niece and my nephew. Try, I'm seeing them grow up, um, and then a little brother who's he's not really that little. He's about six four. He's much bigger than I am, but um, both also very supportive and always there when when I need them. And I hope I like to think I'm there for them as well. But um, just. I've been so blessed, you know, my, my brother and my sister, um, they came to every match they could when I was in college, my sister was four years older. So we never really got to go to high school or college at the same time. But my little brother, I remember just always being there and always being supportive and always kind of in investing in the teams and Hey, what about this? Asking me questions, just very interested. So yeah, my family is incredible. That's cool. And then the last thing, and, and I tell people you can interpret the question however you want and then take it down whatever path you want. What is okay. your legacy? My legacy. That, you know, I want, I want to be remembered as I know I'm very competitive in nature and somebody who worked hard all the time set lofty goals, um, and did everything in my power to achieve those goals and was somewhat of a role model for younger players, um, to see what it is like to work hard or to go after something that might be scary. Um, and transitioning into coaching, obviously I, I want to try and instill that into younger players and hopefully be the player that was competitive, the coach that was competitive, but just someone who also you could come to for anything. Um, so kind of both sides of that coin, uh, but just a competitor, but a, a genuine person. All right. That's a great answer. I, I appreciate you taking the time to join us and I hope you have a, a good, I guess you're out of, you're through the season for now. Your, season, your season's in the fall. Is that right? With women's volleyball? Typically, typically it's in the fall. COVID is, has changed things where this year it was a year long season. So yeah, well, we're out of season now, but hopefully back to the fall, uh, this coming right. fall. So yes. All right. I actually, uh, I have real good friends. I used to work for the fellowship of Christian athletes, had a real good friend whose daughters played at C at Colorado and where one of them was on the national team. 
And so he got me hooked. And I actually saw Logan Tom play in the women's, I don't know what they called it, the women's final four, basically. I hope I just didn't violate an NCAA rule, but the women's semis and finals in New Orleans a number of years ago. And, and that was, that was a, as exciting. I've been to seven basketball final fours and that women's volleyball championship was just as exciting as, as some of those others. So hope you guys get, uh, get back into the full swing of things and, and hope the Aggies make it soon. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Sports Connections with David Smale. Make sure to subscribe, follow, and rate the show from your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more about David Smale and his work by visiting davidsmalebooks.com. Don't forget to join us weekly for new episodes. Until next time.